Welcome to That's Awesome ID. My name is Leslie Early, and each week I will be speaking with a different guest and learning about one thing they think is awesome in the field of instructional design. Okay, today I have instructional designer Alex Mitz here with me, and he is here to talk about his transition from education into instructional design in the higher ed setting. And also, which I think is kind of fun to discuss some of, you know, his expectations for what this role would be like versus the reality of, you know, what's really come to pass in his day to day. So thank you so much for joining me, Alex. Would you like to take a minute or two to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me. My name is Alex Mitz. I am an instructional designer for California State University Bakersfield uh, and Bakersfield College uh, as an adjunct. So they bring me in when they have extra grant money to do that. Uh, I also work with uh, Karen North for Learning Camel LLC, and I do freelance voiceover work. And uh, but I'm but the 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 nine to five or the eight to five is uh, instructional design for Cal State Bakersfield. Awesome. So and so. I guess you are still relatively new to this world. So how long have you been doing instructional design full-time? So it's January of 2021 now. Uh, and so I got hired in June of 2020. And it was kind of an interesting way that I got hired was I, uh, you know, kind of giving a bit of past on where I come from. I was a classroom teacher. I used to teach English in, uh, in California. And uh, I did that for three years. And then I got an opportunity to, to be called, uh, called out to a different district to do uh, educational technology work. I was what's called a teacher on special assignment. So they took me out of the classroom uh, because of my ed tech expertise. And my job was to help teachers become better technology users to then pass that along to their students. And so I did that for two years. And the district that I was in and I weren't really jiving like we did for the first year, like for the first year, it was awesome. And then the second year, there was some administrative restructuring and mm. it, made, it made it made doing my actual job really hard. I kept mm-hmm. getting tapped to do other things that weren't my job. So I'm like, you know what? Thank you. But no, thanks. And so I went back to the classroom and that was the year, you know, that COVID hit. So, it, mm. you know, from August to March, I was teaching English again and um as much as I enjoyed my new site and my school and my administrator, uh, I was having uh, I was having some issues overall. I'm not sure, you know, how far I want to go into it, but um, I knew that the move to instructional design was something that I needed to pick up again because it was something that I was kicking around and studying mm-hmm. for and all that stuff. But um, you know, I, I that that last bit was you know, all right, it's, maybe it's time to move on. And then COVID hit. And so I was doing the teaching from home, uh, remote distance learning. It was kind of a panic goji sort of situation. And um, we did that. We finished out the year. And then I think it was in like late May, I get a phone call uh, from from uh, my current employer going, hey, do you remember applying for this job? Huh. I went, yeah, I applied for this job nine months ago. Wow. I know. And so I went, yeah. They're like, do you still want to interview for it? And I went, sure. Because at this point I was doing all the things I needed to do. I was, you know, I was already a regular Camtasia user. I was learning how to use storyline. I was, I was reading books. I was watching YouTube channels. Mm -hmm. I was following instructional designers left and right. I was working with, uh, my, my esteemed colleague and mentor, Kara North to get my feet wet. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then this kind of came along and I was like, this is it. Like, this is, this might be, this might be the path. And so, um, they set me up on a zoom interview 
And I went through and I did the whole song and dance and let them know that my time as an ed tech consultant or ed tech uh, specialist was, you know, relevant to these things. I gave my demonstration and they're like, cool, we have like four other applicants that we're going to interview and then we'll, you know, we'll let you know one way or the other. And so they went through the rest of the candidates that day and then they called me the next day and went, you're the guy. Wow, that was fast. I mean, yeah, it, was, it was like long to get there, but then at the end, like a sprint to the finish, I guess. <laughs> well, here's the kicker is because historically they normally have two because my college has 800 faculty members and mm. two instructional designers to handle them all. And so then one of the instructional designers left. And I think that was in October of 2019. And they left the other guy by my current partner. They left him by himself until mm. they hired me. But, you know, COVID hit and everyone had started to go online and then they're gearing up for the entire term to be online. They're like, you know, we should probably give this guy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's what they did is they, you know, they did the interviews, they knocked out all the candidates. They were like, all right, cool. You're the guy. And, uh, you know, great story. I'm, I'm used to being a teacher where your salary is like a grid. It's like, you know, years on years served versus units post baccalaureate. And so when they called me, uh, they're like, yeah, you're the guy, you know, uh, I was like, great. When do you want me to start Monday? yesterday if you can and uh i went oh that's awesome cool can we talk about salary and they went yeah here's this number and i went your jaw dropped yeah in a bad way i was like oh no that's not what i want like i I was really it was bad it was a bit you know because that's one thing that's sort of a trend is you know higher ed instructional design does not does not quite pay as well as private or you know freelance or any of that stuff and i wouldn't mind making a lateral move and i didn't even mind giving up some salary to make this jump, but it was big. Uh, and so it was, it was, you know, hopefully, hopefully HR is not listening to this, but it was like a big, <laughs> it was a big drop. It was like $7,000 off where I needed it to be, to be a completely lateral move. I'm like, you know, if I can score within 3000, I can do that. But I, once again, I'm used to the grid. It's like, here's your number. That's it. There's no wiggle room. Yeah. But, but then as she dropped the number, all this is going on in my brain. And I went, wait a minute, this isn't teaching. And so I went, hey, can I come back at you with a different number? Mm-hmm. And she went, sure, well, you, you can do that. And I went, I need this number. It was 7,000 above. And I went, as close to that number as you can get. And, you know, using that language, it gives them permission inadvertently to, you know, kind of shaft you a bit, which I was ready for. I was like, get mm-hmm. me as close to this number as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And she's like, all right, cool. Uh, let me take this back. Uh, I should either have an, I should have something for you at the end of today or at the beginning of tomorrow. Next day rolls around right on the, right on the dollar. And so I was like, all right, that's it. I'm out. And so they, they had me come in Monday and I was just hitting the ground running. It was a lot of faculty's first time online. And so me and my partner were just hanging from the ceiling, trying to get everything done. (laughs) And, uh, that's the story of how I got in. Wow. That's actually a pretty good, um, it's a pretty good story for people who are thinking about making the transition. Cause you're right. Like higher ed, is significantly lower than what you would be offered in, you know, a corporate position. And I thought your jaw dropped because I've heard stories of people who former teachers who are going into positions, starting positions in the next couple of weeks here, and they're making twice way more. Yeah. Twice what their teacher salary was. So that's just a little, uh, salary negotiation story for, for, for oh, listeners. Yeah. yeah. You know, when I was, when, before COVID hit, I was actually entertaining an idea cause I live in California, but I live in the central part of California. I live in, for those who don't know California, I live right above Los Angeles, but below 
Fresno. I don't know how big Fresno. I live below, I live right above LA. And so, but San Francisco is about a five hour drive north for me. And so I was courting with a, a different company about being hired as an instructional designer, but I would have had to have driven to the Bay Area because I wasn't in a position to move. But they're like, well, what maybe we could do is we could have you drive up on Mon- like on Sunday night, you know, put you up in a hotel, have you stay there Monday through Thursday, and then you go home, and then you spend Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday morning back at home and then come back. And they were willing to do that in addition to giving me a salary that's that was $20,000 or $25,000 more than what I was making as a teacher. So mm-hmm. not only a $25,000 bump, but like gas and lodging to bring to me up interview. there to do that. Yeah. So yeah, for those thinking of going into ID, uh, private or freelance is where the money's at. Higher ed, not so much, but if you're moving from teaching into higher ed, if you've got the right skill set, uh, the work-life balance is uh, definitely a, a bit more desirable. Yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things where, like, you know, teaching is one of those things that's either your calling and it's, like, in your blood and you can't imagine not doing it or not. And yeah. uh, I, I unfortunately fell into that second group. Like, I, I thought, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a teacher and ride this out and I'm going to retire, you know, fat and happy. Uh, but ultimately... It was the it was the bureaucracy of school district stuff that just got under my skin and I couldn't hang. Love the kids, love the content, yeah. but ugh. yeah, yeah. So it sounds like um, even before you got this callback on a nine month old application, you said you were already sort of had your gears turning and you were already sort of you know doing self study and kind of preparing for a life in ID. So you it seemed like you had something in mind. You had some expectations about the type of skill sets you need, the type of um, knowledge you would need, the type of network you would need to make that transition. So I'm just curious um, how that sort of panned out for you. So you did kind of talk a little bit about what you were preparing, but do you maybe want to give a little bit more background on like what you were doing for self-study and, and, and that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the, I think the very first inkling of like instructional design is, was something as a viable career option was, uh, was an article written by uh, an instructional designer named Matt Sestata, who was a former teacher. And I don't know if that's everyone's gateway drug into moving into ID, but it was certainly mine. And I bring that up every chance I get. If you if you haven't read that article, for those listening at home, go find it. It's incredible. And it gives you so much hope. And it lets you know that, like, hey, you're marketable. And you're, I don't know, there's a stigma about being a teacher where it's like, well, once you're in, you're in for life. Like you have to get jumped out or something. I don't know, but that's not the case. There's a lot of marketable stuff. And especially if you are tech savvy. So I read that and then I just started diving into the career. Like, well, what, you know, what are, I was looking at job postings. What do they want? And then I take that list and then I develop like, and I go, okay, well they want storyline. I see storyline coming up a bunch. It's like, all right, cool. I'm going to go buy like three Udemy courses on story story storyline. And so just burn through those. Um, what else? Uh, go look up the uh, the instructional design celebrities of LinkedIn, you know, like Tim Slade and Alex Salas and uh, Kara North and, you know, Matt Sestata and just and so on and so forth and start looking at what they're doing and what they're putting out in the world. Uh, what other, you know, other things of the job, you know, Addy, what's Addy? Okay, cool. I can buy a book on this, mm-hmm. uh, buy Tim Slade's book, you know, and so I'm just sitting there just consuming content and setting aside time every day, which is kind of the hard but most important part mm-hmm. uh, is to set aside time every day to like study and learn. And so I felt like I had a lot of the how you transfer knowledge from one human brain into the other from my years of teaching. It was all the nuts and bolts stuff like how do I use storyline? How mm-hmm. do I use, you know, I already had a lot of experience with Camtasia, but kind that's another like 
the development, not necessarily instructional design or curriculum design, but more like the e-learning development side of it, which yeah. is where we're kind of lacking when you're just a teacher. I mean, I shouldn't say just a teacher, but like, you know, that's the sort of stuff that you wouldn't have as much experience with. Right. And I think boning up to on things like Addy or, you know, curriculum development in a more formal way yeah, helps. Like, even though it's things that you know, you know them as something else. So it's almost like you have to translate your knowledge into a different language. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, I think having done that helped me score this job that I'm currently in now is that I was able to talk about it in a way that made sense to me. And I didn't feel like I was just regurgitating keywords or buzzwords that I would hear on LinkedIn. It was like, Oh, I understand this concept, but I understood it a different way in teacher land. Yeah. So, yeah. So like really just kind of taking what you know and repackaging it in a way that's translatable to the job you're currently seeking. I think that's a really important step. Yeah. So you did, you were doing all of this kind of research study, um, and just kind of mentally preparing yourself for this transition. But once, once you got this call back and started interviewing, um, did, did you find that you needed all of this as you were moving into a higher ed position? For a higher ed position, no, I don't think so, uh, because it was totally different than what I had expected, um, because all this self-study was really preparing me for private or corporate, because, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're you're in a private or corporate, right? Mm-hmm. So um, what I was expecting was the assess the need. Does this, do we really need training? What problem do we need to solve? If we do need training, how are we going to approach this? Who are my subject matter experts? Who are my stakeholders? How am I going to develop this? What tools am I going to use? Is it going to be storyline? What sort of assessments am I going to have at the end? And all of that stuff that you rinse and repeat to solve problems for your organization, that was not uh, what I landed in when I got to higher ed ID. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, it was, uh, it was completely... I don't know. It was very similar. Higher ed ID is very similar to what I used to do in that district as an ed tech specialist. Hmm. So um, it's weird. I used to describe my job in that district as an ed tech specialist as the bridge between teachers and IT. Because teachers speak one language and IT speaks a different language. And they both want one things. And they're oftentimes in completely different directions. Uh, it's like teachers, like I need this piece of technology to do this thing in order to teach my students. And then you have it. Who's like, yeah, I hear you, but there's infrastructure in place. that's not going to allow us to get you to do that. And then it becomes my job to go, well, wait a minute. What if you give a little bit here and then it gives a little bit there. And then we find a something in the middle. So it, it takes a, you know, this, this job in higher ed almost takes a person who is uh, fluent on both sides of the, both sides of the aisle of it and teaching to sort of bring it together in a way that, uh, benefits everybody. Yeah. So that's interesting. Cause I have, I've talked to Dr. Luke Hobson a little bit about higher ed in a previous episode and it, it, it's interesting. I wish I knew more about the higher ed, um, ID position because I really don't, it's still like behind a, a cloak of, <laughs> you know, vagueness to me, but it sounds like, um, what you're saying is that, you know, if people are coming or looking to make the transition and they're coming from that ed tech kind of place, 
that might be an easier transition than to go from K-12 ed tech straight into corporate. Although I do, I'll, I'll, mention, I'll name drop here for a second. I do know that Erica Zimmer came from a very similar ed tech position and she did get into a really nice uh, corporate ID position with that experience as well. So it's like not set in stone, but it sounds like what, what you're saying is that if you come from ed tech, making this jump into higher ed ID isn't too much of a stretch. I think, I don't know. I think it's, it might be easier and more difficult in some ways. Hmm. I think it would be, I think it's more difficult in some ways just because the town you're in probably has a limited number of academic institutions requiring instructional designers. So for me, I happened, I, I was very fortunate. I happened to get into both collegiate institutions in my town. I have the CSU here, which is sort of like the big, in California it goes UC, you know, like UCLA, USC, Mm -hmm. the University of California's CSUs is tier two. And then community colleges somewhere, you know, a a little bit farther down the line, not necessarily in terms of quality, but in terms of like cost and prestige and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, I had two options and I managed to scoop up both of them. And I feel kind of bad about that because like anybody else who wants to get into higher ed ID in my town has to wait until either myself or my partner either gets fired or quit. So, uh, making that transition into higher ed ID, if you have the opportunity, I think is great. Mm -hmm. Just because, just because if, you know, anyone listening coming from an ed tech background knows that faculty, teachers, you know, anyone who works in educational, who works in education oftentimes has a really serious lack of technological prowess. And, you know, not, not saying that in a way that's like looking down my nose. It's just one of those things where it's like, it's such a new frontier and so many technologies have flooded into classrooms and such that people need help. Like people really need higher ed instructional designers or they need K-12 ed tech specialists to get them where they need to be. And it's such a, I don't know. It's. And the the pandemic has, has definitely, you know, ushered that in. It was already happening, but like, it's really happening now. I mean, districts don't have a choice. They have to do things virtually now, but, um, yeah, so there is a lot of opportunity and, and need now more than ever for these types of roles. So, yeah, it was a, it was a wake up call for sure for most uh, educational institutions. But I, I guess going back to the main point is, uh, if you can get into higher ed ID, I highly recommend it just because I feel like I was really scared and still am scared of jumping into corporate or private or freelance just because I still don't know what to expect but now that I'm in higher ed ID, it's like, oh, this, I have a sense of familiarity with this particular type of job. And I think settling into this role and owning it for however long I'm here, which, you know, knock on wood is as long as it can be, mm-hmm. uh, prepare me to jump into a private or a freelance or a corporate if and when I decide to do so. And I say if and when, you know, anyone at my job listening, it's not like I'm looking to leave or anything, but, you know. <laughs> people move life happens you know if 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 ever if ever i leave my uh my my wonderful place here at cal state bakersfield uh i will feel more confident going into the new gig than if i hadn't been here for a while before getting my feet wet in this arena yeah yeah and i i would say i mean since i went straight into corporate from um i went the other way so i 
I think you would probably be okay. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, I think teachers really do have so many strengths and a lot of skills that aren't necessarily like you can't quantify them, but um, we have a certain flexibility in our approach to things because you have to be flexible as a teacher and educator. Like you have to think mm-hmm. on your feet and you have to come up with creative problem solving and all of those things I think probably are is equally useful in, in a higher ed or corporate setting. So I think you would be just fine. But um, let me say this. If people out there have more questions or would like to connect with you to kind of, you know, continue this conversation, uh, where would be the best place that people can reach you? Well, any place that you can find me is generally good because I'm one of those crazy people who have notifications on for everything. But if you're looking specifically, uh, my LinkedIn profile is, you know, LinkedIn slash in slash Alex Mitz, A-L-E-X-M-I-T-T-S. You can find me on Twitter at WhoIsAlexMitz. You can go through my website, which is MitzTech.com. And I think those are the main places. So, and, and I'm also really responsive too. I was very fortunate to be part of the ATD Emerging uh, Professionals mm-hmm. Showcase along with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if it happened to you, but my LinkedIn exploded yes. immediately after that. <laughs> yes. And people just re- reached out and wanted to talk. And I've had long conversations through LinkedIn messaging. So feel free to reach out because I am a real person and will really respond to you. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for coming on and kind of sharing your insights and to the world of higher ed ID right now. Thanks.